inspiring to hear Crystal's story, isn't it? This beautiful story. He said, the smallest act of kindness can change someone's life. Nothing's impossible with the Lord. And 20 years of praying and finally being able to go to Africa. And she continues to inspire all of us in her life here. I really enjoy hearing uh, from everyone in our church, their stories, their passion. Let's continue to share our stories with one another. We've been uh, enjoying Christmas together as well the last few days. Uh, how many made it out to the Christmas Eve candlelight service? Several? Okay. It was a powerful time, a sweet time in God's presence as a church family. And then we had services last night, today. It feels like we've just been celebrating Jesus and seeking him together for days, and it's awesome. And uh, I, I hope, because I often feel when I'm here that there's literally no other place I'd rather be. When I'm here at the services, worshiping God, and I hope that you encounter God uh, here in deep ways, in amazing ways, in his love especially. And we're in a series right now, A Greater Love, because God has a greater love for us than we often realize. And in this series, we're looking at different facets of God's love. We've covered uh, the patience of God, the kindness of God, the humility of God. And today we're going to take a look at the generosity of Jesus. And we're going to focus on a passage in the Bible that's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you brought a Bible with you, you can turn there. These are two letters the Apostle Paul wrote to people in Corinth. And they're longer letters and they're next to each other. Makes them a little easier to find. It's in the New Testament. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to uh, start in verse 6 today. And my prayer for this series is that you would experience God and his love. We would be drenched in his love in such a profound way that it would change our relationships and the way we love one another. That we would love one another with the love of God. And God's doing that. He's transforming us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us, your kindness, your generosity. Father, I pray that we would see you for who you really are. We would get rid of any idols, any false views of you. And God, thank you how you strengthen us Thank you how you give us hope when we feel despair, when we're stressed out. You give us peace. You give us perseverance when the path of life is truly difficult. And God, as we abide with you and rely on you, I pray that you would free us up because so much holds us back. Sometimes it's what the culture tells us. Sometimes it's tradition in our family. Sometimes it's our own personal. We wrestle with fear. And God, instead of being held back, we pray, Jesus, that you would free us today. Free us up for your glory and you have the power to do this. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The main idea of the message today is that God is generous, and God gives you seed to strengthen your relationships and your faith. We worship a very, very generous God, and he gives you seed, and this seed has a purpose, to strengthen your relationships and your faith. And we're going to unpack three components of generosity this is the source, the seed, and the sound. We're going to start with the source, and the source of every good thing we have in our lives is God, our God who always has an abundance of resources. Our God never runs out. He doesn't get tired. He has an abundance of resources. And we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man or woman should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, 
you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Our God has an abundance of resources, and your view of God is the number one factor in terms of your generosity. If you have a healthy view of God, you will have a healthy generosity in your life. But if you don't see God for who he is, your generosity can get stifled and tainted. And Paul writes here that God is abounding in grace, meaning he's abounding in generosity. Theologians call this the sufficiency of God. As we abide with God, he gives us in all times, all things, all that we need, we can abound in every good work. And we say at our church, abide in Jesus and respond. You could also say abide and abound. Abide in Jesus and abound in his generosity and in his love. It all reflects God's glory and who God is, and God has really demonstrated who he is in so many different areas of life. Let's consider nature and the illustration here. Think of an agricultural setting. You know, I, I was a college pastor in Iowa, the University of Iowa, for many years. My wife is from Iowa, so we met there, got married in Iowa. It's kind of a romantic place for us. Uh, but Iowa has a lot of cornfields. I don't know how many people have ever been to Iowa. There's so much corn. And this is how it works in agricultural setting, whether it's corn or soybeans. When you are generous with the seed, there's a great harvest. But if you sow sparingly, there's not much of a harvest. This is a law set up for the harvest. It's set up agriculturally. You can't deny it. That's one setting. Now, the same is true in the nature of friendships. If you sow that you're a good listener and you have integrity and you're unselfish, you're going to have some quality, deep friendships in life. But if you sow sparingly and you're kind of selfish and there's not a lot of integrity, you're not a great listener, you're going to notice the quality of your friendships is going to be compromised because what's true agriculturally is also true relationally. It's also true spiritually in terms of a harvest. If you pray and you serve people and you're generous and you share your story and you share the gospel, you know what's going to happen? Lives will be transformed. If you're generous with how you sow spiritually, there's going to be a great harvest. But if you're sparingly sowing and you don't really share your story and serve people and share Jesus and you don't do that, the harvest is going to reflect that as well. And it's true in all these settings, agricultural, friendship, spiritual harvest, because it all directs to who God is. We worship our God sows generously, not sparingly. There's a vision of abundance when you think of who God is. And this was evident in the life of Jesus. If you go through the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, and you pulled out a highlighter or wrote down as you went through the Gospels, you could just write the word generous. Look at the life of Jesus. Generous, 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 generous. It's overflowing. As he's abiding with the Father, the generosity is overflowing. And I want to point out when it comes to generosity, we often compartmentalize and just put it in the terms of finances and money is so small in the picture of generosity. Generosity starts internally. Generosity is how Jesus sees people. How do you see people? He values people. He knows everyone is significant. Everyone's made in God's image. And when he sees people, he, he sees a treasure of God's creation. Do you see everyone in that same way? 
And then he is generous with how he thinks about people. How do you think about people? He's generous with how he speaks to people. Look at the words he uses. Are you generous with your words when you're with people, when you're not with people, when you're frustrated, when things are going well? Do your words display the generosity of God? And Jesus was generous with people of all ages. Remember, the disciples told the kids, get out of here. And Jesus says, no, the kingdom belongs to the kids. Bring in the kids. Jesus was thinking about widows. Jesus was generous to the woman caught in adultery. And yes, he has full, he's full of truth, but he was generous with her and with his grace. He's generous to those who were diseased or considered unclean and lepers. He's generous. He's generous with Samaritans, with Gentiles, with Jews. He broke cultural barriers with his generosity. And the same generosity will be in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, in our thoughts when we abide with Jesus. God wants us to abide with him. You say, well, what does it look like? This godly generosity, it looks like Jesus. Jesus, he's the one we want to be like. He is the one that God is working in our lives to help us become like Jesus. And what does the generosity of Jesus look like? It starts in the heart because out of the heart flows everything. It starts in the heart and Paul points out there's a decision. We decide in our heart. Jesus makes a decision in his heart and it's been said that you can give without loving. Think about that. You could give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And Jesus and his love, it's a love that gives. It's a love that's generous. Paul uses these words to describe the generosity of Jesus. We give freely, not reluctantly or stingy. We give sincerely, not forced or manipulated. There's no manipulation here. And we give joyfully, not regretfully. Freely, sincerely, joyfully. Are those the words that describe you and your generosity, you're giving freely, joyfully, sincerely, and God's love is just flowing out of you. This is God's will. This is God's design. You were designed to be generous, and that's what God wants to do in our lives. It all points back to who he is. Consider Psalm 50, where God is talking to the people, and these are people that come to temple, that come to church, and God says this, and it's humbling to hear this. God says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. And this is a good reminder. God does not need me. For his kingdom, God does not need me. He doesn't need any individual. He's not thinking, oh, if that person's not faithful, the whole kingdom thing's going to just collapse. No, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need our money. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. God's not like, oh, I really need that. those $20 over there. I really need that. That's not our God. And it's, it's a reminder that every good thing we have is from the Lord. He's the one who supplies. And the context in this psalm is that people were coming to the temple and they were bringing offering, but their hearts were far from God. And they were kind of self-righteous and religious. Yeah, we bring the offering to God. And what God's saying is actually that offering is not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking at your heart. I want you to trust me. I want you to receive my love. I want to walk together. I want this close relationship. And if there's an offering, that's an overflow but the people, they would bring the offering and God just had to say, I don't need the offering. I'm looking at you. 
you're the one I want. And this was a wake-up call for the people because they were not coming with a heart of generosity and abiding with Jesus. And as you consider different people, who's inspired you? Maybe currently in your life right now or maybe looking back in the past. One person that stands out in church history is Corrie Ten Boom. And Corrie Ten Boom was a Dutch watchmaker. She was alive during World War II and she, with the heart of generosity, opened up her home to Jews who were being killed uh, as Nazis were destroying and just wiping out communities. She welcomed them into her home. She was caught. She was sent into a concentration camp. She wrote the book, The Hiding Place. And you might want to check that out and read that book when you think about generosity and abiding with Jesus in difficult times. This is what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, The measure of a life is not its duration, but its donation. The measure of our lives is not how long we live, but it's our generosity. I'm convinced that at the end of our lives, what really is going to matter is the generosity and the love that we brought to other people. And it took Augustine a while to realize this. Augustine lived at about 400 years A.D., North Africa. Augustine was someone who ran after every pleasure in life. He had a praying mom. Eventually, he realized our hearts are restless till we find our rest in you, God. And this is what he realized about who God is, that God is abounding in generosity. And he says, God, every day, God wants to give us great things, but our hands are often already full. And he was speaking of his own story. He filled his life with everything that he wanted and he thought life was all about. And he didn't receive God's presence, God's word, God's encouragement, God's wisdom, God's guidance, because his life was full of other stuff. And that's easy for us in this culture to fill our hands and our lives with so much stuff that we're not in a posture of relying and receiving from the Lord. And when he relied and received on the Lord, he became an instrument of generosity, and he's had an impact on the church for generations. Even the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, was a self-righteous, religious, violent man. God can transform self-righteous, religious, violent people. In the Apostle Paul, when he experienced Jesus, his heart changed. The generosity of Jesus came into his life, and he lived a life that was one of the most generous we've seen giving away whatever he had, going to the nations to bring God's love. And God can do that with anyone. It's all about a teachable heart, abiding with Jesus, because whoever you worship, that's who you're going to become like. And if you worship money, if you worship yourself, it's evident. But if you worship Jesus, the fruit's going to be generosity. Don't miss the source. This is not a message of just self-help, go be generous. That's not the message. This is a message of relationship with Jesus. And as you walk closely with him, he's going to give you a generosity you can never manufacture or fake. He's going to pour his love into your heart, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. So don't miss the source. Draw close to Jesus. And that leads to the second part, a second element here of generosity, and this is the seed. Let's take a look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The seed is all you have been given that has transformative power. 
You have seed from the Lord. This includes your time, your tongue, the words you speak during the day. This includes your talents, your spiritual gifts. This includes your finances. There's so many opportunities. God has given you seed. And in fact, the phrase here is your store of seed. You have so much seed, far more than you realize. Incredible influence. You don't have to have a certain position. No, you've already been given this seed that has transformative power. Think about Crystal's story. It would be easy, and many people might look at Crystal and say, oh, there's not much seed there. I mean, she has cerebral palsy. She's in a power chair. I mean, what could God do? There's no limits to what God can do. God has given Crystal so much love I'm excited what's going to happen in the months to come, in the years to come, in her life. Uh, she, she moves um, all of us deeply. Why? Because we see Jesus in her. And people see Jesus in you, and you have influence. This is called seed. And we make decisions when it comes to seed, uh, but ultimately every seed, even a small seed, its design is to let people see the generosity of God. That's the purpose of the seed, to let people see the generosity of God. So I'm going to take what was in my wallet, and this is $20. Uh, This is kind of interesting. Last night, I shared this, and then, you know, preachers get caught up in the moment. I think I dropped the $20. I got home, and I was like, where did that $20 go? And I, I came back this morning, and the worship team was holding $20. And so I want you to know that our worship team is not only gifted and devoted to the Lord, but they got a lot of integrity. I mean, this could have been a McDonald's on the way home, but no, they kept it and brought it to me this morning. So side note on the $20. When you think about what's the purpose of this seed, $20, it's to display the generosity of Jesus. That's why God gives us seed. And you can invest seed in different ways. Now, I'm going to continue with a simple illustration, and you can think about investment for a minute. Uh, One option is just to eat the seed. When you have seed, you could just eat the seed. Actually, in America, we like to eat the full seed, and then we also get out our credit cards and go into debt and, you know, take out more seed uh, we, we don't even have. A lot of times, we operate out of what we want, not what we have. And that can lead us into trouble when it comes to seed. If we operate what we want, and we say, well, I want that, and this doesn't cover it, then we'll go into credit card debt and accumulation of debt, and more of our money is getting eaten up because there's something we're chasing after and we don't have. If you operate out of what you have, that's a different mindset and a different paradigm. Here's $20. And this is quite simple, but if you live within 80% of what you have, you give 10% off the top, tithe means 10%, and you save 10%, that's a really healthy way to go through life in terms of just some general guidelines. That's not legalistic, it's not rules. And you'd say, well, it's so elementary. It's very uncommon in our country to live off 80%, give 10% off the top, save 10%, and yet imagine if people started to do that. I'm so grateful for our our class, Financial Peace University, that we've offered here, and so many people in our church have stepped out of debt, stepped out of credit card debt, and healthy finances and stewardship are not just about together as a church, but it's the home. It's our individual lives as well. We make decisions with the seed. When you invest it, there can be more seed. If you eat it, there's not a lot more seed coming. Proverbs 11 Let's look at verses 24 to 26. 
One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who's willing to sell. Uh, we receive freely from the Lord. We give freely. The, the person who's generous is refreshed. Uh, the person who's stingy and hoards, it's, it's not so desirable. There's, there's so much that we can do uh, considering a seed and the investment. Think about it this way. Uh, materially, here's an amount of money, $20. When I was young, I kind of had a saving mentality, and I started to put my money in a CD when I was young. Back then, I got about 5%. Uh, now it's much, much less. But it was pretty easy for me to figure out when you invest materially, you can have a material gain. And I would receive more money than what I invested. Spiritually, uh, the same is true when you invest spiritually. Again, and you pray and fast and you start to serve people and you spend time in the Word and worship, there's an overflow. And you know it as you share your story or you share about Jesus, lives are changed. We understand that when you invest seeds spiritually, there's a spiritual harvest. But here's the part that some people miss. You can invest materially and the fruit is spiritual. Because with your investment, wherever you see fertile ground, that can build up God's kingdom, change lives, strengthen relationships, and strengthen your own faith. The material realm is not just material and the spiritual is not just spiritual. There's the material that's linked to a spiritual impact, a relational impact, and a faith impact. And I want to point out that um, the more difficult or dark some of the areas are in the world, the more generosity is going to be needed to shine the light of Jesus. Consider geographically something that's called the 1040 window. And this stretches from northern Africa to the Middle East to Asia. It's 10 to 40 degrees latitude. And in the 1040 window, over 80% the poorest of the poor in this world. If you want to find the poorest of the poor, where would you go? You'd go to the 1040 window. If you want to find 50 nations that are hardest to reach with the good news of Jesus, you'd go to the 1040 window. If you want to go to billions of people who haven't heard about Jesus yet, you'd go to the 1040 window. If you want to find thousands of people groups who are unreached, where would you go? you go to the 1040 window. God is doing something in our time that's pretty amazing. Previously, places that were unreachable or very, very difficult are now opening up. And I read that in Mongolia in 1989, there were four followers of Jesus in that country. But today, there's over 10,000 followers of Jesus in the country of Mongolia. It's easy to just be in America and not be aware worldwide what God's doing and where's generosity needed. And it's difficult when you think of the 1040 window. But this is what a friend of mine who serves in missions, this is what he says about the typical American church. If all of the seed we have fit on a football field, how much do we give or invest in the 1040 window? And he said the answer is the referee's whistle. On the size of a football field, the intentionality to make a difference and show God's love in the 1040 window, it's like a referee's whistle on the size of a football field. 
Well, God has a global generosity. And when we abide with Jesus, one thing he's going to do in your life is start to open your eyes and your heart to the world and the needs of the world. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to align with heaven and it's going to expand your vision. You say, well, what about the sound? In the sound, we have the second most people in terms of dechurched, eighth most in terms of unchurched in the nation. And if you're a follower of Jesus in the sound, it's easy to be, well, you feel outnumbered and you can kind of get intimidated and back off and silent and... Instead, what's a posture of generosity look like in the sound? I'm so grateful for our church in a culture of generosity. And I see that individually in life groups. I see it together as a church. I see it as we're connected with about 100 churches and ministries who saturate the sound, digital ministry. God is changing lives in the sound. God is doing a great work in the sound, and we get to be a part of that. And you realize that all we have is God's. If, if we're able to make a difference and honor the Lord, it's, it's a joy. It's a pure joy. And God calls you to a radical generosity. I'm not saying a little generosity, an average generosity, a radical generosity. This is what we see in Jesus and in the Bible. I think you'll be inspired by 2 Kings and what we read in the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet Elisha who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Now, let's put ourselves in the shoes of this young lady. What's just happened? Aram, well, there's raids, violent uh, raids, brutal raids. In one of the raids, she was taken captive, and now she serves Naaman and his wife and she's there serving. What happens? What does she see? She sees Naaman now has leprosy. This is a disease where, you know, his skin fall off. This is a disease where he could die. This is a disease where no one wants to be around him or touch him. He's miserable. And what's her response? Would you agree that it would be easy for her to say, serves him right? Serves him right. Him and all the other people here, for what they've done and the raids they've brought, serves him right. I think God probably just got him back for what he was doing. That's not what she does. It would also be easy for her just to be silent. Well, I know a prophet. God's bringing healing through him, but I don't really want him to get healed. Mm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to kind of hold it to myself. Wouldn't that be easy? It's not what she does. She speaks up with generosity. She says, I know one. God uses him with healing. And Naaman's going to go, Naaman's going to be healed on God's terms. Naaman's going to show up and say, oh, just give me a quick healing. It's not how it's going to work. Naaman's going to say, I got a lot of rivers I could dip into. It's not how it's going to work. The prophet's going to say, dip in the river seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman's going to do that and realize that he's not in control of his world. God is the one we worship. God is the healer. And out of all that, where did it start? It started with some catalytic generosity in the heart of a young lady who had been taken captive and mistreated. She was still kind. The love of Jesus says pray for those who are mistreating you. Pray for them. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but how is God stirring you to be generous? 
Jesus often brings generosity to the people who you'd say least deserve it and often least expect it. And maybe you have a person in your life, you'd say what they've done is wrong, they least deserve, but what would it look like to bring the love of God into that situation? God's love reaches the least deserving and even where we least expect it, God's generosity moves. God's generosity is reciprocal. That's the word I was looking for. Meaning, it didn't start with us. God is generous to us. Every opportunity or desire we have to be generous, it comes from God. So it's reciprocal. It doesn't start with us. It's radical. It's sacrificial. Jesus' generosity on the cross is radical and completely sacrificial. If we're going to be like Jesus, it's going to be a sacrificial generosity. It's proportional, meaning to much is, uh, if you've been received a lot from the Lord, to whom much has been given, much will be required. It's, recipro- it's proportional based on how much we have. And then also it is faithful unto the Lord. All that matters in our lives ultimately is faithfulness to God. And that's not a miserable faithfulness. It's a joyful, it's a joyful generosity. And this is a picture of the potential that's in the seed that God has given to you. The source, the seed, it leads to the sound. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and look at verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men and women will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. The sound is the praise that bursts forth from a thankful heart, from a united heart, a song of thanksgiving. And we had a song that broke forward at Christmas in our house, and there's a little bit of a story to this sound and this excitement. And four years ago, it was Christmas Eve candlelight service. Pastor Mark does tremendous job connecting with kids, talking about the Christmas story, and he asked kids, what would you like? This is Christmas Eve. Our daughter was up front, and she said, I want a Petco gift card so I can get a hamster. And I thought it was a setup. It wasn't. God just lined things up. But as she said that, there was someone who came to the service that night with a Petco gift card in their pocket. And when she said it, he walked up front and handed her the Petco gift card. Unplanned. Now, it was declared, as she asked for a Petco gift card, it was received. She said, well, looks like she's going to get a hamster. And my wife and I were just looking at each other in the Christmas Eve service. I could barely focus on the message. I was just trying to understand what just happened. And you know what? We were thinking, what do we do? We went out and we got a little mechanical hamster. You put batteries in there, a little bit of fur on the outside. We thought, perfect. It can run around the house. It's cuddly. She can touch it, and there's no mess. We thought we were doing pretty well, but after a little while, you could tell it's not really what she wanted. And we added some stuffed animals later, and they were cuddly, but it really wasn't what she wanted. We even added a dog to our family. And Bella's been a great dog, but a dog is not a hamster. And the cute small stage of a dog doesn't last that long, as I've heard. And she, for four years, has wanted a hamster. 
And I'll say, my wife had hamster generosity far before I did. But I'll tell you, this is what happened this Christmas. You see the picture here. We have the family together on Zoom, long distance, and a hamster. Take a look as you see here. That's the first hole. That is the first. That, the hamster's name is Kiwi. And uh, we've got a hamster. Hamster coming out. Kiwi is meeting my daughter and now part of our family and playing around on the floor. My daughter's discovered that hamsters are nocturnal, which means Kiwi sleeps during the day and makes a lot of noise at night. And when my daughter was up early the first morning, I said, are you sure you want Kiwi in your room? And then last night in the middle of the night comes into our room and says, okay, Kiwi can sleep downstairs. So there's more to come, more sermon illustrations to come, I think, from Kiwi. But it took a while. Hamster generosity, I did not have it. And it took a while. And it's the same with us when it comes to generosity. Sometimes God works on our hearts for years before we say yes. And God, you're generous. You've been so generous to me. God, I want to live a life of generosity. And it takes a lot of God's love to really free us up to give us joy, to really be generous to the people around us. And uh, that, that's my Christmas testimony. When, when we give, the giver's life is enriched. When you give, it doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy right away. People have that false understanding. But I'll tell you, God says you store up rewards in heaven. And I guarantee it because God guarantees it. And when you're generous, your treasure's in heaven, and there's going to be rewards in heaven. You won't be disappointed. It also blesses the recipient who starts to give thanks and praise. It blesses the relationship, the connection. Here, the Corinthians are going to receive prayers from the people in Jerusalem. So again, we see that strengthening in the connection, and God's glory spreads. What happens in this passage is truly remarkable, and I'll tell you why. The Corinthians... They struggle with selfishness. Now they're becoming generous. Who do they give to? They give to the people in Jerusalem. Well, why is that important? There's Jews, Jesus was Jewish, who followed Jesus in Jerusalem. They have a rich spiritual heritage, but they don't have much money. The Corinthians have a lot of money, but they've been selfish. Now their hearts are freed up. They're going to give to their Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And here's why it's so important. The culture at that time, Jews and Gentiles had a barrier, a wall of hostility. This is radical for Gentiles to be thinking about and sacrificially giving to Jewish people. We have a lot of barriers in our culture. And sometimes it's between husband and wife and generosity hasn't been flowing. Sometimes between parents and kids and we've gotten resentment instead of generosity. Sometimes it's with people from a different political party. Sadly, it's often because of race or nationality. It could be someone's financial or educational background, their preferences, their style. But we have a lot of barriers in our culture that are only going to change with the generosity of Jesus and the love of Jesus. And I hope that you long to see in our day many of those walls come down in the generosity and love of Jesus to be just as powerful now as it was in the Corinthians' lives as Jew and Gentile are coming together. And we say, how do you know it happened? Romans 15, 26 says, For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased. They had joy extending God's love. I, I want you to think in your life about maybe one person in particular. 
that in this season, God is calling you to be generous. God, your name is on it, and you know it. Uh, there is someone named Onesimus who was overlooked, and Paul writes a letter to Philemon. Onesimus served Philemon. He's one of his servants, but he was basically useless, wasn't a team player, slacking all the time, and then ran away from the job. Philemon was kind of upset, and this is what happened. Onesimus didn't know Jesus. Paul led him to Jesus. Now Paul writes Philemon to say Onesimus has changed. He now knows the Lord. Be generous with him. Welcome him back. Forgive him. Even though he owes you a lot, forgive him. And you know what? Paul was the instrument, a catalyst for generosity between Philemon and Onesimus. One person. Don't start with the whole sound. But who's one person? Identify one person that God is leading you to pour out his generosity in their life. And I, I want to close by really commending uh, our church in terms of a culture of generosity and really the story, glory to God, the story that's happened in the last five years. Uh, I'm told we had a history of many years before this where uh, we did not meet our budget and the last five years we've met our budget. The last five years, uh, we have wiped out, fully, completely paid a debt of $2.3 million. It's now gone. And that is tremendous in a time of pandemic. And that is the faithfulness and generosity of the church. Uh, when I think also uh, about how many projects we had delayed and deferred in this building because we didn't have many finances, one project after another, whether it's sound or IT, we have a new roof on this building right here. Uh, the projects that have been completed. And then not only that, we have a good Samaritan fund. And I can't tell you how many people uh, during this pandemic, and it's not with a lot of fanfare, but timely gifts of people in need who just needed that hand up. And that happens through Good Samaritan. Hundreds of people who have taken financial peace. Uh, because again, the vision is not just health in the church with generosity, but it starts at home. And that's true in Bible, uh, reading the Bible, that's true in finances. It's home and church. And then we also give a 10% off the top to missions. And uh, I wanted to share this with you because uh, with our international partners that we support, we were able to send them together a Christmas gift, and these were their comments. And I, I want you, because you don't often get to hear much, the sound that Paul describes, you don't get to hear it, so I'm going to read these comments to you. Thank you for the gift card. Your kindness is so encouraging. Thank you very much for the thoughtful gift. Please pass our appreciation on to the church. We are grateful for our friends and spiritual family at Grace. This is particularly encouraging during this hard time of COVID. We pray God's blessings on everyone at Grace. We are very blessed by your partnership in our ministry through prayers. This is exactly what I needed. You have made my day. Thanks to Grace for the generous Christmas gift. Thank you for your ministry to us. Wow, Grace family, what an amazing and generous surprise. We are so grateful for your ongoing partnership in ministry and loving care for our family. What an exciting Christmas gift. I am thrilled. Thank you for loving us, supporting us, and giving to us so well. Thank you for this incredibly generous and loving gift. Thank you so much for this lovely surprise. It's so nice to be thought of. Blessings to all of you from the other side of the globe. Much appreciated. We love and miss grace. Thank you for your care, love, and encouragement, prayers, and support. This is huge. 
So thank you so much. May the Lord continue to keep you all firm in his grace and as a light in the city. We can't tell you how loved we feel. We know that the church has been through so much trial this year with the pandemic, so the fact that you would still think of us and find a way to bless us with Christmas gifts is just so incredibly generous. We pray that God will continue to bless and protect grace during this difficult season that we are in. We have loved joining with you via YouTube for the sermons during our family at home church time and praise God for the ways that he is clearly at work at grace. May the Lord continue to strengthen and pour out his abundant blessings on the congregation, whether gathered in the building or each in their own homes. Much love in Christ. I am so thankful to serve with you at Grace. We are blessed abundantly. Praise the Lord. You see, that's God's design. Generosity, connection, a song of thanks. Paul concludes with the verse. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, Jesus. Indescribable too much generosity for us to be able to fully recount or tell. But this is the generosity of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us a greater vision around the world in what you're doing. God, thank you for giving us courage to build relationships, to share our faith, to love and serve people in the sound. God, we pray for our own homes and our own hearts. God, often generosity is missing and we get stuck in a rut, and our relationships aren't as deep and healthy as we desire. God, we pray as we take in today your generosity, as we have open hands and receive, as we think about how much you've given to us, I pray we wouldn't be held back any longer. Father, thank you for seed that has transformative power. We acknowledge that you're the source of every blessing in our life. Mm -hmm. And God, we pray for new songs New songs of friendship, of thankfulness, mm -hmm. of praise mm -hmm. that would burst forth mm -hmm. in 2021. Mm -hmm. Give us your vision. We'll give you the glory. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yo, subscribe to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.